Gratitude with Attitude with Simon Gamewell. Brought to you by TAP, the social thanking platform. Hello and welcome. This is Gratitude with Attitude. Coming up today, I'm going to be talking about how gratitude is a well-being game-changer. I'm going to be joined by Miriam Levin, the Chief Executive of Engage Britain. There'll be some more of your lovely dedications. And of course, there'll be some great uplifting music to get you through your day. And remember, if you want to express gratitude and thank someone, visit www.thankandpraise.co.uk or you can download our app available at the App Store and Google Play. We're going to kick off today with Ben E. King. Stand by me.
Gratitude can be a game changer. It helps train your brain to notice and appreciate the little things in life. And in doing so, shifts your experience tremendously, moving it to a more positive space. We all know that gratitude can increase your happiness and well-being, life satisfaction, and even overall physical health. At the same time though, it can decrease the negative stuff, such as anxiety and depression. It's a powerful practice to cultivate, especially if you struggle with anxiety or depression. There are many different forms of anxiety and depression, but they all have a lot in common. They all have a common denominator of negative thought patterns. These patterns include both what we think and how we think. In other words, both the content and the process of thinking impact anxiety and depression. Depression focuses our mind negatively on present and past events. And anxiety makes us feel apprehensive about future events and scenarios. We can build our problems and catastrophize or jump to the worst case scenario. It's like mental time travel. It pulls us out of the present moment and we focus on things that we can't change. Research has shown that if we are focused on the present moment, we tend to be happier, even if that present moment presents us with challenges. This is where gratitude can really help, keeping us grounded and looking at our present situation more objectively. We can use gratitude as a form of displacement therapy, replacing negative habits with more positive ones. It's a form of HRT, that's Habit Reversal Training. We introduce a new habit which is incompatible with the habit that we're trying to break. For example, if you're trying to break a nail-biting habit, you might clasp your hands as a competing response when you feel the urge to bite. Consistently using a competing response trains your body to replace the un undesired habit with a new one. Introducing practices of gratitude as a competing habit to negative brain patterns will really make us more positive and feel happier. It's really difficult to behave in an appreciative manner and be stuck in a negative cycle at the same time. When you feel your mind slipping down a negative path and ruminating on everything that's wrong, challenge your mind to find something in that moment to be grateful for. In doing so, you're combating the negative content of your thoughts and you'll be bringing your mind into the present. We will always live in challenging times. We will not always be happy. Gratitude doesn't always take away the pain. It is actually possible to be hurting and to be grateful. We can add gratitude to our coping mechanisms and you can use gratitude as a lifeline to keep you from drowning in the negative mental habits that intensify your pain. Gratitude helps us to take a step back from a difficult situation. 
It grounds us in a more positive present and helps us to replace negative habits with more positive, productive ones. It bolsters our resilience and adds significantly to our coping mechanisms. Gratitude really is a well-being game changer. Okay, let's have some more music then. Here's Cindy Lauper with True Colors.
Okay then, let's hear some dedications from Taps Thanking Walls. First of all, Lindsay Piper says, To Miss Partington, Mesley Lee Primary School, Worsley in Manchester. Thank you for all that you do for Lucy. The care you show, the support you give, the friendliness of yourself, and always there to listen to her read. As a family, we're rich. We really appreciate your support and the care given, and therefore we will be forever grateful. Thanks, Miss P. Nicola Williams says to Miss Hall, Moorfield Primary School, Hazel Grove in Stockport. A massive thank you to Miss Hall for everything you've done and continue to do for Annabelle, especially the support with her reading and phonics. You are a real superstar. And here's one to uh, Chris Rigby, Grove Medical Practice in St. Ives. Thank you for taking your time, listening and taking care of our little girls. Both of them have been unwell with bugs and viruses and Chris has never dismissed their concerns and never rush their appointments. Thank you for all your hard work. Becky Halby says, to St. Francis School nursing team and to all healthcare and NHS workers. We'd like to uh, thank the nursing team at St. Francis School in Lincoln. As it is an International Nurses Day on the 12th of May, we thought it would be a good time to tell them that we think they are amazing. Steve Redfern says to Curtis at Whispers Care Solutions. Many thanks to Curtis who helped with photography for our two-day induction course. It was very professional and showed real Whispers teamwork, a real natural. And Edna Jenkins says, to all staff, Dementia Concern Ealing. Thank you so much to these wonderful people. They put their hearts into their jobs, and I realize it can be very difficult at times. Without them, we will be lost, as will the patients that they care for. They are angels on earth, and I cannot thank them enough. So thank you so much for the understanding and the care that you give. We would be lost without you. Okay, music time. Here's James Taylor with You've Got a Friend.
brighten up even your darkest night you just call up my name and you know wherever I am I'll come running oh yeah babe to see you again Spring, summer, or fall. All you got to do is call, and I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend. If the sky above you. Should turn dark and full of clouds, and that old north wind should begin to blow. Keep your head together and call my name out loud now. Soon I'll be knocking. Upon your door, you just call up my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh yes, I will see you again. Winter, spring, summer. got to do is call and I'll be there yeah 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 hey ain't it good to know that you've got a friend people can be so cold they'll hurt you and desert you well they'll take your soul if you let them don't you let now You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running To see you again Oh babe, don't you know about Winter, spring, summer, fall got to do is call Lord I'll be there yes I will you've got a friend you've got a friend yeah ain't it good to know you got a friend ain't it good to know you've got a friend oh yeah God. And joining me now is Miriam Levine, uh, uh, executive, Chief Executive of Engage Britain. So, hello, Miriam. 
Hello, Simon. Lovely to be here. Yeah, great, great. Thank you for joining me on the show today. We're going to be talking about Engaged Britain in a moment, but what was it that, that you uh, that brought you to uh, care and, and to um, um, to Engage Britain? So, well, there's, there's kind of two different answers to that question because um, Engaged Britain is not um, a charity that works specifically in health and care, but we're a democracy charity. What we're trying to do is improve the way that politics is done. We think politics is quite broken. The answers that politicians come up with to answer kind of the big challenges that the country is facing isn't done with the people who are most impacted. And we think that's a real problem. We think we can do better. And the first challenge we took on was all around health and care, which is what kind of got me into looking at kind of, well, what are the issues around care? What are the issues for care workers? And how can we work with care workers to try and make some of this stuff better? <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously working with care and making the care sector better, uh, gratitude has a really big part to play in that, doesn't it? It absolutely does. So one of the things that we heard like loud and clear from care workers on the front line was that they just don't feel valued. They, there's not enough of them. There's like massive gaps in the sector, like loads of vacancies that need filling. The people that are here, they don't feel like anybody really values what they do. They're paid a pittance. They aren't, you know, their benefits are terrible. They aren't paid for the hours that they work. Um, and actually being able to show our thanks and show our gratitude and the value that we place in them is going to be absolutely critical so the th- sort of app that you're creating there the thank and praise app is like feels like an absolutely vital part of actually really making sure that care workers feel like they're doing an amazing job because actually we couldn't manage without them yeah and that that runs uh, through, throughout uh, social care and healthcare as well on every level whether it's services uh, to, to the uh, service provider or, or on a peer-to-peer level as well Absolutely, absolutely. But I think it's worth saying that the um, kind of the reason we took on health and care as like this first issue for Engage Britain is because when we asked the country, what's the number one challenge facing the country today? The answer was access to health and care. Like people know this is an absolutely massive issue. They know the government isn't just isn't cracking it. They're not sorting it out. So we decided to take on this issue to really understand, okay, well, what are the problems? What do people really care about? What issues do they want solved? And how are we going to do it? And and what would you say that those issues are? Well, it was really interesting, actually. So we we ran a series of um, conversations with communities across the country. We had about, we had 101 of them all across the country with people who draw on um, health services, who draw on social care, who work on the front line, with people who don't really use the services like greatly and just said, you know, what do you think works well now? What do you think could be better? And we heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of things that are going wrong. Like so, so much that's going wrong across all the different kind of NHS social care systems and we thought well my goodness there's there's obviously so much here we can't tackle it all at once so how are we going to work out what are the things that need to be prioritized so what we did is we brought together a group of people 100 people basically a citizens assembly so 100 people they were drawn from all across the country um they basically they we brought them together over four weekends said right of all of these things that are going wrong in health and care what should we tackle first? And they spent a lot of time kind of understanding people's stories, really listening to what people cared about and said, ultimately, after four weekends together, they concluded that the number one issue was around staffing. There aren't enough 
um, health or social care staff to meet current and future needs is a massive problem with recruitment, retention and training. And the second problem was all about communications and like how the NHS communicates with you. But if we start with that first one, it's like, well, what is the problem here around recruitment, retention, training of health and social care staff? And we at Engage Britain thought, look, lots of people are thinking about healthcare staff at the moment. What we'll do is focus on social care staff because it's just not, the government really isn't all over it. They're not taking on this problem. And yet there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of vacancies. There's so many people who need to get care, like need to receive care and aren't able to at the moment because the people just aren't, aren't there. The system's breaking. So... What we, decided, what we did was go, all right, well, if the issue here about recruitment, retention and training of social care workers kind of is the problem, what are the answers? Who needs to be in the room to come up with the solutions that are really going to make a difference? If we think the way government handles this isn't really working, what do we think the better way is? So what we did is that we brought together a group. We called them our social care change group. It was about 18 people, and that was made up of kind of frontline care workers, kind of both domiciliary care workers care workers who work in in um care workers who work in care homes domiciliary care workers there were people who drawn social care there were people who employ their own personal assistants there were people who um there were commissioners and directors of adult social services from local authorities we had care providers both um, sort of uh, kind of charitable care providers and private care providers, and we have policy experts. And we brought all of those people together and said, "Okay, what do you think needs to change in the system? What are the things that are actually going to make, um, kind of improve recruitment, retention, and training of care workers?" And I have to say, it was absolutely like it was the most amazing and eye-opening process. The, the the guys that we had in the room were absolutely brilliant. The amount of dedication and time and thought and energy they put into it was just incredible. And over, we worked with them for about six months. And over that six months, they came up with a whole series of ideas about what needs to change and what needs to be done. And some of those were really kind of quick wins, like things that could be done relatively simply and quickly and cheaply now. And then someone, and I can give you some examples of those. And there were also kind of the much bigger, um, kind of really transformational, really massive changes that need to be done for the whole system long term to really make the system work, kind of for everybody, like for the next 10, like minimum 10 years. Right. And those ideas were just like, they, those were the ones that we take back to politicians now to go, right, this is what needs to happen. These are ideas, these are solutions that work for the people who draw on care, who work on the front line. They can be put into practice by the care providers. The commissioners know that this could work for them. It's going to improve the system for everybody. Right, right. And, and so, so what, what were some of the, those uh, solutions then? Well, one of the ideas that they came up with, which we just thought was absolutely brilliant and, and hasn't yeah, just it, it could only have come out of that process, was this idea of having a green badge. So, you know, there's like a blue badge. If, you're, if you've are if got a disability, if you're disabled, you can get a blue badge, you can part for free. Yeah, I've, I've got a blue badge myself. Right, there you go. I mean, they're, they're amazing. And they're like absolutely valuable if you've got a disability. What our frontline care workers said, and the care providers said as well, it's like, look, when you've got a care worker that's going to visit somebody in, like somebody in their own home, you can't park. You take, you know, you've got a really small window of time to spend with that person. And actually, you're spending a really large part of it trying to park, having to pay for parking, having to park like like 300 yards away because you can't actually park outside the house because of residential parking restrictions or whatever. 
yeah and it's stressful and it's time consuming and it can be really expensive why not give care workers who are going into people's homes a green badge like a blue badge that just means they can park just like take away that huge amount of stress and have it as a symbol a physical symbol of like the value that we place on care workers it's like it really shows that we think what you do is amazing let's make your life a little bit easier it's not really expensive to implement it does already exist in some parts of the country in some form or another in like some local authorities have got something a bit like this but it's not national it's not consistent wouldn't it be really simple and easy to do well like yeah that's genius <laughs> it's like a really simple solution to a really really tricky thing what a great idea mm, and absolutely you, you talked about uh, as well about communication issues and I, i'm sure with with the uh, tap platform can, can really help uh, uh, develop positive uh, communication across the board can't it yeah and i think that feels really really important that like people are really thanked for the work that they do and are able to communicate that directly i think it's really important yeah and that that's why uh, tap was set up in the first place just to give, give people that 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 platform of uh, positivity and uh, communication so people can pass on thanks and, and uh, encourage and support that their uh, colleagues in the front line as well yeah no absolutely i mean it, like the care workers and the kind of the group the social care change group all of our participants they all talked about that they all talked about wanting to feel like the job they do is really recognized and valued and actually one another idea that the group came up with was that there's kind of they don't like care workers don't really have a collective voice there isn't like an ability for care workers to come together and say we think you should pay us more we think benefits should be better like this we think working conditions should be better like that and actually they wanted something a bit like royal college of nursing kind of something like that which would actually be a place where they could come together and collectively kind of support each other like get the training that they need be able to kind of make a case for why what they do is so important and that that also came out really really strongly in our work right right and what what actual things do you think that we can actually do at, at tap and, and as members of the public to, uh, to, to really achieve those goals and, uh, and to make those, those uh, things actually happen i think there has to be a consistent ask for the government i think it's really important that there is consistent um like keeping up the demands on government to make sure that they put social care right at the heart of policy making because at the moment it's always going to be like the second you know like the lesser sibling to the nhs it's really easy to say well we'll just invest in the nhs because that's where you know that's where the headlines come you know when you've got ambulances queuing up outside a and e it's like a like a very visual very real really terrible issue that's always going to get sorted first but actually if the systems like that kind of underpin the nhs like social care so people can get discharged from hospitals so people who could just live a good life in their own home can be kind of members of society as much as they want to be that all has to be in place and i think we've just got to keep the pressure up to make sure that that's going to be something that the government keeps on top of the agenda like on top of their kind of political agenda and actually works on okay. there are actually more people working in social care than the are working in the NHS so it's actually a bigger 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 yeah and actually 
entity really. No, it is. And actually something that the that the care workers like said loud and clear was that compared to people doing an equivalent job in the NHS, they are massively underpaid. They definitely want to get better pay, and that was kind of one of the biggest planks of kind of the work, the policy package that they come up with is like better paying conditions. Absolutely. But what they said was, we want better, better pay, and what that looks like to us is parity with the NHS. So that's not just pay parity in terms of like like pay brackets, like literally how much you're paid, but also parity of esteem. Actually, feeling like we are as valued as frontline NHS workers. We do a job which is as important, as critical to the country, and yet we don't have that kind of sense of value placed on us. So that's what they want, and that makes perfect sense to me. And the way they wanted to see that recognised was through when they're doing equivalent jobs, that they are paid the same amount of money. Yeah, really, and that value comes from gratitude, doesn't it? That's exactly where TAP comes in. Absolutely. Right, well, it looks like we're almost out of time, so before we go, your turn to, to be a, a DJ Miriam. So <laughs> what song would you like to play? Oh, I've always wanted to be a DJ. Um, I would love to hear Feeling Good by Nina Simone. I think it's a really hopeful, really positive song, and it just says about the change that can come, and I love that. It certainly is. And thank you very much, Miriam, and here's Nina Simone. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good Fish in the sea You know how I feel River running free You know how I feel Blossom on the tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life for me And I'm feeling good Dragonfly out in the sun You know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun You know what I mean Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. Stars, when you shine, you know how I feel. Send out the pine, you know how. It's a new day, it's a new life. 